Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. I'm Gary Lawless, and today's guest on the interview series is Jeff O'Neill. Lots of you will remember Jeff as a excellent NHL player. Had a couple of uh, had a, a bunch of really good seasons in the National Hockey League, and then after his retirement, he turned to the media world and is now one of the top broadcasters in Canada and North America. Really, he's a, a regular fixture on the panel on TSN, and also is one of uh, the members, uh, the co-hosts of the top-rated sports show in Toronto which is a huge hockey market. It's called Overdrive, and it features Jeff O'Neill, Brian Hayes, and, oh boy, I couldn't think of Noodles' first name for a second. I know. Jamie McLennan. You know him so, as Noodles. It's hard to remember the first name, Gary. It really is. Uh, how you doing, Jeff? Good I'm doing good. I got to ask you, who's who's the guy that's some guy named Dave? Who is that? Dave who? That's that's Dave Gosher, who is the uh, television uh, play-by-play voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. He must love it that you call him some guy named Dave. Well, actually, our radio uh, play-by-play guy, my partner on the radio, Dan Duva, he's on the podcast, and he doesn't even get any billing because we named it before. Like, when when we hired, uh, I was hired first, and we were putting the podcast together, my boss, Eric Tosi, and I, and uh, then we hired Shane Knighty, and I'm like, well, we've got to use Sheriff and Lawless like that, you know. And then we hired uh, Dave Gosher at the same time, and I'm like, how about Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave? And it just kind of <laughs> sounded great. We liked it. I like well, it, too. Hired, then we hired Dan and put him on the podcast. So <laughs> he's the guy that edits it. Does Gary, I love it, but it sucks for Dave because he's that guy that nobody really even really wants to know his real name. He's just some guy, Dave. <laughs> and he's always going to be that guy. And people like that because they're like, it's like that mystery thing. It's like the guy in Home Improvement that just looked over the fence. You really couldn't see his face. And that's just the way he stayed forever. So Dave Wilson. is Wilson Dave screwed. Was his name. Uh, I think Wilson was his name. In Wilson. That yeah, Wilson. <laughs> yes. Excellent. <laughs> well, uh uh, how's it going for you? Uh, where, where, first of all, where are you right now? I'm in Vegas. Where are you? I'm in Collingwood, Ontario, and um, just it's weird working from home. I got a whole tripod set up, Gary. It's, uh, I mean, as you know, you're doing the same thing. It's, I got to fill three hours a day about sports when there's no sports. So that's the challenge right now. And, you know, my colleagues, you just mentioned them, Brian Hayes and, and, and Jamie McLennan. Uh, I almost forgot his first name too. You know, we just made a pact where, you know, it's tough times and you got to do it though. You got to kind of find a way to present some normalcy to people. And and that's what people in Toronto, I think that they like listening to our show and uh, it's obviously tougher with no sports, but you got to kind of make some content and there's different things popping up every day, whether it be, um, you know, the NHL returning, which I think a lot of people, I'm sure you're, you're, you're talking to everybody too. I think they, they want to come back and they, you know, there might not be any fans, which I think sucks, but uh, you got to kind of go with the headlines and what people are saying. And hopefully there's, and it's a difficult thing. Like I hope there's sports back here, but I also hope this stuff ends because there's people, you know, everybody wants sports back, right? But I also don't want people to be texting me or emailing me saying, you have to think about people that are struggling right now. And, you know, you don't want to be greedy or, you know, selfish in your own wants or needs wanting hockey back because there's people that want, you know, their their aunts and uncles and, and grandparents to be healthy and we're wanting hockey back. So the, you got to kind of find a balance, I think, of what's important or or, you know, what's going to happen here. Yeah, well, I don't think you can, I think you can hope for both things at the same time. And so long as uh, the return of sports doesn't adversely affect our health system or, 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 you know, the process in trying to, to eliminate this virus and then prevent it from coming again, then I, I don't see, I don't know why they have to be mutually exclusive. I think we could, you know, I, I think obviously the health and welfare of society comes first. And uh, Gary Bettman has said that a number yeah. of times. 
and, and then you just get to, to the players and and everybody involved. It, it's got to be safe for them as well. But if you can tick off all those boxes, uh, this well, we do want to return to our old lives, don't we? That's the thing, Gary. Like, I don't like it's it's just so weird. Like talking to Brian and and people are getting. It's getting to the point, I think, where, you know, you're stuck inside and it's getting to almost two months and, and people are getting restless. But you don't want to be disrespectful where it's like, I want hockey to come back. I want to see sports. I want to deal with sports because that's kind of my escape from real life. But you also don't want to be offensive where other people are, you know, frontline workers or somebody that knows a frontline worker. It's That's where you got to find the balance. It's like, man, I w- I'd love to turn on the TV and watch watch golf. But I also don't want somebody to say to me, my brother is a frontline worker and he's got to go to the hospital. So how could you be thinking about golf? And but the response is just that's my natural thing to think about golf. Like everyone loves sports. They love watching it. That's why they watch it. They come home from work. They have dinner. They have a cold beer and they want to watch a hockey game or a football game. That's their getaway. And we're all kind of looking for that right now. Well, your brother is a frontline worker, right? Yeah, my brother's a police officer in, in uh, um, Brampton, Mississauga area, 22 division. And he's, I asked him, I'm like, man, must be scary for you. He's like, Jeff, we have to do it. We're cops. We have to go to work. We have to protect people. We have to, you know, we have to do it. And that's what they got to do. It's kind of weird how some people, they can't go anywhere near anything. But then my brother's like, that's not even an option for us. We have to go to work. We're frontline workers. We're cops. Yeah, well, and I guess, you know, I think we're both on the same page that one of the things that, like, we have these fun jobs that are I know. really silly more than anything else, right? Well, you know? when you really get down to it, they are. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like when I first became a sports writer, someone said to me, oh, you work in the toy department. And, I did, and I'd never heard that expression before. And then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I do. It's like, it's fun and games. So, uh, you know, uh, Gary, you're friends with Dave Naylor, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. Dave Naylor's a great, um, great friend of mine, a colleague. And he, he told me, I started working with him. I did a little bit of work with him on the radio. And he told me one thing. He said, as soon as you're having a bad day here in this building, just remember that you talk about sports. And he goes, just think about that, because maybe that day is not that bad. And that was great advice. I always remember that. I can remember early on in my career, I was in a uh, covering a minor league baseball game, and I was you know hungover. My eyes hurt, and uh, <laughs> I was complaining a little bit. And the guy beside me in the press box was an older guy. He's like, you know, what's your neighbor do? I said, oh, he sells insurance. I said, would you, he's like, would you like to be in that office right now, drinking out of that coffee mug that he, you know, goes and rinses out every day and, and then sits in that same cubicle? You get to travel the world and you're sitting here in a press box watching a game, yeah. which you, it, you, you know, you'd pay to do this. If you, and my brother's a lawyer and he always, every once in a while, he says to me, you know, why? Because he could do everything that I could do, right? We're similar, same mind. You know, he's like, why did you become the sports trader and why did I become the lawyer? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> so <laughs> we're lucky. Yeah, it's, it's, I think Dave also told me, Gary, he's like, just think about it. He goes, in your regular life, like you're getting paid to do this. You would probably go home and watch the same things you do on TV anyway if you weren't getting paid. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you would for sure. I know that you're as much of uh, now that you're a media guy, you're a massive sports fan. So I want to talk a little bit about about you and your career. Uh, when you go to Jeff O'Neill's Hockey DB page, there is the first line is uh, Thornhill. You played junior B in Thornhill. How old were you that year? Um, that was a that was a tough one. I'll kind of get into my career and how my dad took over Gary and kind of made some decisions that at the beginning I didn't know what the hell he was doing because I thought they were crazy. Um, I was 14 years old and my dad made me skip from uh, I think I was like peewee hockey. I was playing peewee hockey and he took me to a midget game. 
Um, I know that kind of term for the league is a little bit awkward, but that's what the league is called in in Canada. And he said, you're going to play here next year. I said, dad, these guys have beards and stuff. I'm just a kid. (laughs) So he made me play midget. He made me jump from midget or peewee to midget. And then he's going to say, he said, you're going to play junior B the year after. And I didn't know this, Gary, because I was like a high profile kid and people knew about me and I was going to go high in the draft. And he made a couple decisions that were probably tough for a dad. But ultimately, they were the right ones because it all worked out. But I guess if it didn't work out, he'd probably have some questions to answer. But that's the kind of path I went. I went from playing peewee hockey to with grown men that were 18 to 19 years old the next year into playing junior B. And, I mean, I don't want to pump my own tires, but I almost led the league in in scoring both of those seasons. So I think it worked out okay. Yeah, well, when you were 14, you were the best hockey player in Canada, the the best player in your age group in Canada, bar none. It was like, and it was, uh, I'm from Peterborough about, you know, an hour and a half from where you're from. And and I'm a few years older than you. I knew who Jeff O'Neill was. Yeah. And that's what I try to tell people, Garrett. It's like, I got, you know, colleagues and friends. They're like, come watch my kid play hockey. He's really good. He might make the NHL. And then I go to the game and I watch, and then they ask me, they're, and it's almost awkward to say because they're asking me the question and they're like, how good were you at that age? And I have to say, like, I was probably one of the better players in Canada. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's the difference between you think your kid's pretty good. Maybe like, I don't know. It's, it's so weird to talk about. I don't like talking about myself, which you might find surprising, but I I don't know. It's weird to say like I was one of the best players in Canada and that's how good you got to be. I don't find it. uh, I don't find it weird. I know you and I know that you're, uh, it's uh, it's really interesting. I talked to a bunch of people about... I guarantee if you talk to Shane, he'd say he was the best player in his province or whatever, like when he was growing up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so this, this kind of leads into one of the funniest stories uh, that I've heard, you know, kind of since your career has, has come into, into, into the media. You're drafted first overall in the Ontario Hockey League draft, and you blow that league up and you play for Team Canada uh, at the World Juniors. You win a gold medal, but your draft is coming up. And uh, Bob McKenzie, who is now. Oh, God. <laughs> who's now like, what are you? You're really good friends with him. In the hockey news, he, he calls you the most inconsistent player in the draft. <laughs> tell Just tell me the story. Cause well, it was funny because I had to put all the pieces together. I was, I, I worked beside, like Bob's one of my, like he's, it's weird because he's like, he's a little bit older than me, but he's, I consider him one of my best friends. And I was thinking like, we always talk about upcoming draft and like Bob McKenzie's draft rankings and the world juniors. And then I was thinking, and it really pissed my dad off. My dad was really mad. <laughs> and he called me one day and he goes, you know, Bob's the guy, because I would work beside Bob and I would look at him sometimes. I'm like, I really like this guy, but I think he screwed me over like way back in the day. <laughs> and my dad called me and he's like, Bob's the guy that wrote that article. You remember that, right? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, he's the guy that said, you're inconsistent, you're out of shape, and you're nothing like pretty to look at, and that's that's your deal. And scouts are scared to death of you or some nonsense. And I went and found the article, and people like were, were, were sending it to me. And he's like, Jeff, you have to understand with my position, like he's the insider, he's the ultimate insider, right? He's like, that's just what people were telling me. He goes, I didn't make that up. I didn't say that. And I'm like, well... I didn't like it at the time. And it, well, what else are you going to say? It's 30 years ago, right? <laughs> well, you've had lots of fun with it every year on draft. Now you, you, you've clipped, you found the clip and, and you put it back out there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. um, I'll find it again and I'll send it to you, Gary, if I can find the quote. Oh, I found it yesterday. I read it yesterday <laughs> yeah, when, I yeah. was, when I was prepping, when I was prepping yeah, for this. That's my so-called pal, my buddy. <laughs> well, it's funny. I talked to him about you for this and, uh, uh, he absolutely adores you. Uh, everybody that works with you, it's really interesting. Uh, 
And people have always told me how generous you were. And I can remember we were at a draft in Philadelphia. We were both working for TSN radio at the time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people were leaving, but you and I were staying overnight on the Saturday night. So we said we were going to go out to dinner and a bunch of guys from Winnipeg who you did not know uh, ended up coming for dinner. And then of course the, you know, the, 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 we asked for the bill at the end of the night and you'd already paid, paid it. And it was for all these strangers. So like when people tell me Jeff O'Neill is generous, I'm like, yeah, I know he's generous. I've, I've seen it firsthand, but uh, so, you know, everyone says, you know, it'll be a, uh, Thursday night at TSN and there's, you know, the building's full of, uh, of, of, you know, people that are, that are doing their jobs behind the scenes and you'll walk in with, you know, 300 bucks worth of McDonald's to feed everybody. How come you do that? I, I don't know, Gary. And it's like, obviously, you know me and I don't really care about, I don't like, I, like I used to tell people or I do tell people, they're like, Oh, you just want attention. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't need attention. I got to play in the NHL for, uh, 12 years and I'm on national television every day. I don't need attention <laughs> to me. It's just about the experience. I got to the pleasure of playing with guys like Matt Sundin and Brendan Shanahan and Ron Francis. And it was about the experience. You ever go out to dinner with those guys? They were and Brad McCrimmon too. He was my roommate. One of my best friends when I was 18 years old, he was 35. I made more money than him. My rookie year but he would never let me pay for any dinner, nothing. And I was like, man, that's, and obviously there's a connection with Kelly in, in Vegas there, but Brad was like, you're not paying for dinner. You're a rookie. You're just a young guy. I'm like, I wanted to say to him, I make more money than you, but that wasn't about it. It was the principle. And I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just about the experience. I guess we've all experienced kind of, like tough stuff in our lives. And at the end of the day, all you got is like what people say about you. And if you got to, you got to say something about somebody, I, the way I look at it is maybe that guy was a good guy and he, you know, did some nice things. I mean, we, we all have our moments, but uh, it's just about the experience. I just, you want to be that good guy, I guess. I don't know. You bet. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny. You mentioned beast. Uh, God, I miss that guy, Gary. Well, I know three guys pretty well. Kerry Huffman, who uh, played with him in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Shane Knighty, who was coached by him in Atlanta. And now you. And and then, obviously, Kelly and him were, were the very best of friends. And, yeah. and Kelly talks about him just in... in Kelly's got this expression. He says, I was the biggest Brad McCrimmon fan, and Brad McCrimmon was the biggest Kelly McCrimmon fan. And I just, I love that expression. But uh, um, I, I met Brad just a few times and, and can't claim to have been lucky enough to know him. But it's I'm funny, Gary. Boy. We had uh, Kelly in the studio. We went to Vegas last year or a couple years ago, and Kelly was just sitting in front of me, and I couldn't help but just stare at him because he looks so much like his brother. It's uncanny. Yeah. And Brad was my roommate and he made me go to bed at nine o'clock every friggin' night on the road. And it just made me sick. And I was like, a, you know, you're a young guy. You want to go, you want to watch TV and you go to bed at midnight. I don't know what time you go to bed, but nine o'clock, he's like, shut that TV off. And I would say, why? And he's like, you know why? Tomorrow's the biggest game of your life. And he said that to me every game. And it was so annoying. But he, yeah, that was kind of his joke. But man, that was that was great stuff. Like every night he'd say, go to bed. I'm like, why do I have to go to bed so early? And he'd say, well, tomorrow's the biggest game of your life. And I think that's the best the best thing about Brad McCrimmon. He played every game like it was the best game or the biggest game of his life. Uh, you got to be a Hartford, one of the Hartford Whalers. Do you have a, do you have a Whalers jersey uh, kicking around? I know, obviously, later you played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and that was uh, a pretty cool moment. And you had your big seasons with the Carolina Hurricanes, including going to the, the Stanley Cup final. And I want to talk about that because that's when I really kind of uh, reconnected with you uh, in my mind. But uh, have you got a Whalers jersey kicking around the house? I sure do. One of the L's has fallen off my last name. It just has one L, but it's my my actual draft jersey when I got drafted. And I'm not going to name names, Gary, but I had a FaceTime last night with four of my former teammates, only Hartford Whalers, and we all put our jerseys on and had a 
had a cold beer and had some laughs. Uh, and, and don't ask if I'm not naming names because I'm not. Uh, I'm not playing that game. But it was it yeah. was pretty funny because there were some guys that uh, liked being in Hartford. Maybe some guys that didn't. But it, it was a lot of fun. It's funny, Justin Williams. I heard him on a podcast the other day, and they were asking him if uh, he. They were asking him if he liked it when the Hurricanes wore the Whalers jerseys. And he's like, yeah, it's part of our history. We love it, you know. And then they said, did you get to keep one of the jerseys? And he said, well, yeah, I did. He goes, but it's funny. The guys on our team said to me, well, you've already got one from when you actually played for Hartford. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. Glenn Wesley came out and he had a little chirp the other day. He was like, the Whalers should only wear the Whalers jersey if they're, you know, playing an outdoor game in Hartford. And Glenn Wesley's not the most outspoken guy. But I was kind of a little bit shocked to hear that. He was like, he didn't, he wasn't a big fan. I'm sure people in Hartford probably are pissed off at that too. They they probably don't like that a whole much or a whole lot either. I mean, but who knows? Hartford was a weird place. It was, I was so honored to play there, Gary. It was my first team in NHL. I didn't care where it was. You could have put me in friggin' Timbuktu. I, I don't care. It was the NHL. I was making a lot of money. I was living my dream. I thought it was awesome playing there. You know, I when I first started uh, covering the American Hockey League, I was in the American Hockey. I was in the the IHL for a year as a reporter, and then I was in the American League for ten years as a reporter before the NHL came back to Winnipeg. And uh, I, but because I, I can remember, I can remember going to Hartford really early on at when they were the Wolfpack and they were the Rangers farm team. And I was like, I'm in Hartford. I'm in an NHL city. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a big deal. And then, uh, you know, times change and you go to different places. But uh, I have great memories of Hartford. It was, it was a fine place for me. Yeah, the really weird thing about my starting my pro career, like you have these big ideas of what it's like being an NHL or like these big, I don't know, you get this big loft condo or I don't know, like what you do. Like you're a single guy, you're making a bunch of cash, you're living the dream. As soon as I showed up, they sat me down and said, um, this is John and Pam Bosco. And I said, okay. And they <laughs> said, this is who you're living with and their family. I'm like, what? I'm like, they I'm in the NHL. I'm not living with a family. They're like, yes, you are. And these people are taking you home right now. And I just shook my head. And I'm like, this sucks already. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. I was so mad because I'm like, how am I? I'm in the NHL, man. I got to live with a family. This isn't junior anymore. <laughs> and we rode, rode back and I had to sit in the basement. And me and John really became good buddies. We played pool and played darts and had a couple beers in the basement. And then he would leave me alone. And it was it was weird, though. It was living my dream, but I had to stay with a family. <laughs> now, Carolina uh, is where... That's where you have your big seasons, right? And, yeah. Uh, you scored 25 goals in uh, 99-2000 and then 41 in 2001. That's uh, uh, a little bit of a green jacket, though, eh? 41 goals and only 26 assists. Yeah. Interesting. Don't look at the plus young. minus, Gary. Yes. You might start crying. <laughs> the plus minus wasn't great. Well, <laughs> was Maurice the coach then? Yeah. Those, what was he like? Those were years where I was really lucky. Brendan Shanahan, I got to play with him my rookie year. And the one thing that he taught me how to do, because I was, I came into the NHL as kind of like a playmaking centerman. Yep. Like I just would pass the puck and I could make plays. And watching Shanny every day, and he would pull me aside and, and just tell me, you know, your shot is terrible. Like you got... <laughs> You know, there's just, you take too much time. There's nothing on it and you got to work on it. And I would watch him and he would help me. And I'll always remember he only, I only played one year with him because he said, I'm going to Detroit and I'm leaving here. And I was pissed off at him for that. But he shot, he like, he taught me how to shoot the puck and man, nobody could shoot the puck like that guy. He was the modern day Ovechkin line. A like he, he could just shoot it. And that that was great advice to watching him, you know, shoot the puck. And he told me how to, it wasn't always about the accuracy. It was just the quickness, like get it all, like shoot the puck as soon as you get it. Cause then the goalie can't react. And that was, that was watching him do that. And I tried to emulate that. The one thing I can do is I can copy people. 
whether it's a voice or shooting the puck or taking a wrist shot and watching him shoot the puck. I, 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 I copied that all the way to the bank. Next year you go, you go to the Stanley cup final and, uh, that's when, so a, a little background and, uh, um, I knew your brother, Donnie. Yeah. Uh, he played in Peterborough where I'm from and, uh, uh, was, uh, uh, just an awesome dude and, uh, had, had beers with him uh, on a bunch of occasions. And he was, uh, well, I, I loved him, but, and I didn't, I, I hadn't c- c- kind of connected you guys, uh, it, it sort of in my mind. And then when, during that year, when you were in the playoffs, um, I was, uh, I, I was, I watched all that hockey. I was living in Winnipeg by then, and uh, you were fantastic that year. You had a really good run, and that's when I kind of put you guys uh, uh, together in my, in my mind. Uh, first of all, w- what was it like going to the final? And I know you lost, but uh, pretty great experience. Yeah, it was it was probably the best experience in pro sports that I had, Gary, because it was like no disrespect to my teammates and the teams I had in Carolina, but a lot of years it was. Okay, season's over, going home, no playoffs. That's my – you know how Tom Brady and, like, LeBron James, they, they kind of calculate their seasons to, like, going to the finals or – like, that's the length of what they have in their head. And it was kind of getting in my head. I'm like, okay, I play in the NHL, but I'll be home, fellas. May 2-4, let's fire it up. And you're supposed to be in the playoffs. Yeah. And I kind of got that in my head. I'm like, this is fun and – I like seeing my friends and, and, and being home early, but I'm really supposed to be playing the playoffs. That's what your job is. Like, that's the ultimate goal. And to do that that one year, and I think, Gary, the Cinderella team never wins. If you really think back on it, like the Cinderella, you, you've experienced it in Vegas. Like, the, it was so awesome seeing them go to the finals. But you know what? It seems like the Cinderella never really seems to get it done. Like, they, they can get there, but they don't win it. But I love the experience, like just, and by the way, Detroit was so much better than us, like Iserman, Shanahan, Fedorov, Kozlov, Larionov, Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille, they just kept coming over the boards, and I was like, man, we can't compete with this, like, these guys are too good. Yeah, pretty scary team they had there. Oh, God, yeah, but the experience I thought was great, like just, you got to play, like you had that one chance, you had the chance where you could have carried that thing around, but we didn't do it. But it was it was good to have the chance. It's interesting you talk about you know coming home uh, early. Mike Keen, who uh, we lived in the same neighborhood in in Winnipeg, and he, uh, he after he retired, we became pretty good friends. He played in two hundred and fifty playoff games. Yeah. I'll put his, some gray hairs on you. <laughs> three, he won three cups in three different cities. But his his whole thing was uh, every year in the NHL. Gary, by the would, way, what were the three cities? Colorado, Montreal, and Dallas. Yep, that's right. Yeah, Montreal then traded to, to Colorado with Patrick Waugh. He's told me that story. It's a fascinating story. Yeah, and then uh, and then signed with the Rangers, uh, a free agent deal, and then got they. They, it, I think they had Gretzky, they had LaFontaine, you know, it was going to be a powerhouse team. It didn't work. He got traded to Dallas, him and, uh, Screwy, Brian Scrudland. They got traded at the deadline and then they went to Dallas and they won with, uh, Ken Hitchcock. A- anyways, he worked out. He wouldn't take any time off until the Stanley Cup was awarded. So if the team he yeah. was on got, got beat out, he, like, like you just said, it was supposed to be your job. He worked out until the Stanley Cup was over. Yeah. And then he would take two weeks off, party, do whatever you would do. That's what I you- always found weird, Gary. Like, I'd go up to my cottage and I would be on a kind of a friendly summer binge, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, yep. your buddies are up, you're, you're, you're water skiing, you're having beers, and it's like you're watching the playoffs. And it's like, that that would have been a great thing for me to do, like, Forget about having fun. You don't stop working until that Stanley Cup is awarded. Yeah, that was that was his th- that was his thing. I thought that was and he, when we were in the when he played in the American League for three years after a thousand games in the NHL. Yeah, after all, he, he three just years, three years. Like I would he, this, have never the done guy that. Loved hockey more than anybody on the planet. Like you know, he'd won three Stanley Cups, and then he made it his goal to chase the Calder Cup. Yeah, like it was. Uh, 
uh, and, and he, and get to play in front of his, you know, by the way, Gary, I give him credit. I would have never done that. Like once I played in the big leagues, I would like at when I retired, I would have never done that. I would have said, no way. Oh, he phoned me the day that like Craig Heisinger, who was the, uh, the GM of the moose and is now the assistant GM of the jets. He phoned him and said, Keener, uh, we're, we're not going to keep you this year. And Mike phoned me and said, they're going to, they're making me retire. They're making me retire. He was he was in his forties, playing in the American League. So he still wanted to play. <laughs> oh, he, he'd play tomorrow. If you told him he could play in the East Coast League tomorrow, he would probably do it. <laughs> I love that. I give that credit because I'm not that guy. How'd you get into the media? It was weird because I hated the media, Gary. I, I always thought the media was, you know, they would just backstab you and make up comments and rip you. And I just never really had a good relationship with all of them. Like Steve Simmons is a buddy of mine and Bob McKenzie and James Duthie and d- drags all of them. I just yeah. thought that, I don't know, we weren't on the same wavelength, I guess. But I just called into a radio show during the lockout. I think it was like 13, 2013, maybe. Yep. And... You know, I, I did something stupid on Twitter. I made a comment I shouldn't have made, and it, it kind of blew up. And uh, James Sabalski, who was doing radio in Toronto, he just said, can you can you call me? And I called in, and then I called in again, and then I went into studio. And then I realized I didn't have a job. So I, I told Sabalski, I was like, if you tell your boss, like, I'm kind of, I, I like this stuff, and I think I could be good at it. So the next thing you know, I just... I had a job and I haven't left since. That's that's the way it worked. Well, it's amazing. I you know I contacted a couple of people that like Mark Millier, who was the VP of, of at TSN. He said that they hired him for radio and like he's like I listened to him for a few minutes and right away I knew he was going to be a star on TV and we went and you know started getting him, getting putting him on TV. Steve Dryden and like it's it's amazing. You guys couldn't be any more different as people. And he called, you know, he said to me, he goes, I've never seen it. He just has the best instincts. He knows what to talk about and what people are going to be interested in hearing. And, and this part I add myself, you have the ability to not take yourself seriously no. and, and have fun, but people take you seriously. Like while you're having fun, people are enjoying that. But when you make your point, people listen to it. It's, I- it's I think fantastic. that's the key, Gary. It's like I, I'm like you. Me and you could sit down and have ten beers and have a good time and not take each other seriously. But if we got a job to do, we got to do that seriously as well. And I think there's the the balance there where I just want to when I'm commenting at the end of the game, I always think about it. And Mark Millier and Steve Dryden or Bob McKenzie, my dad gave me the best advice in broadcasting. He's like Jeff, here's what you got to do you got to think about how many guys are like you that sit on their couch and drink a beer and watch a hockey game. They just want to hear a real dude tell them what happened. That's it. They're like, if you're going to talk like an idiot and make no sense and babble about nothing, they don't want to hear that. Tell them what happened. That's it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And when I first started, I was like, I got to talk like a broadcaster. Like when I started in radio, I was like, Uh, You know, I was trying to act like Guy Smiley or some kind of broadcaster that I had imaged in my head. And I'm like, this isn't working. You just and then I was kind of getting frustrated and I almost quit because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And then I said, my last gasp was just be yourself, like be how you are with your buddies and just talk like you're in a bar with your buddies talking about hockey and Leafs hockey and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, just go home and quit and go play golf again. And it works somehow. Well, it, it, they, they love you. And it, it's, uh, I, I would say that, you know, you're on TSN, so it's, it's national, but it, your base is in Toronto. Those people in Toronto, uh, number one, you played for the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that you're from Toronto and you, and I, I'm, you love the Leafs, right? Like they were your team growing up? Yeah, I have no issue yeah. telling that people. And I know, like, I don't know what you're like, Gary. Like, are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Like, do you care if they 100%. win or lose? Of course I am. Like, yeah, that's, like me too. When I, I, I go to the Leaf game, 
I went to a Leaf game and I cheer like I'm a fan. When they score, I'm like, yeah, what a goal. And somebody <laughs> said, you can't do that up here in the press box. You're media. And I said, you know what? Go to hell. I don't care. <laughs> and you know well, what? If they suck, I'll tell people that they suck. Exactly. But if they're good, I'll say they're good. Very simple. You know, when, so when I worked for, the, for, for TSN and for newspapers and I was impartial... If, if you if you really think that I didn't want the Winnipeg Jets to win and go to the Stanley Cup so that I could be covering those games, no, shit. it's like God. Everybody wants that. <laughs> exactly. So now I actually work for a team. So, it, it, like to me, it, it's more transparent than anything because yeah, this is what I do. I I, I work for the Golden Knights and I and I tell stories about them and yeah. and to me, it's. Uh, there's a lot of guys, oh, Gary, you know this, like James Duffy and, and Bobby and Dregs, like, it, you know, Steve Dryden, like they don't, they don't, they don't care who wins or loses. And I find no. that weird. As much as I love those guys and I respect them, like, to the max, I find it weird watching a game and not caring who wins or loses. That's weird to me. You've kind of figured out um, your... You know, your persona and it is it's just being you and uh like that must be it must be a ton of fun to be able to, to just be that guy yeah you know what i think that and i think gary during this time like this pandemic and you got to stay home and 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 it gives you time to think right and it, i i think about my life and how lucky i am and like think about this i grew up as a young kid in ontario I love the Toronto Maple Leafs. I loved hockey. My dad got me into hockey. I got to play in the NHL. I got to play for my hometown team. And then I get to talk about my hometown team as my job after hockey. I don't think it gets any better than that. I don't know. That's pretty good. And yeah, it's got like, to... I don't know if you can have a better life and you. I'm just grateful and I love what I do and I love the people I work with. And I think about like, you just, you know, you're thinking about people during these tough times where it's like, man, I've, I just think like, damn, I've had a good life and I should be more grateful. And I don't really know how to be more grateful, but I don't know. It's pretty damn good if you ask me. All right. I'm going to take you back in time. And uh, I'm in I'm in Florida at the NHL Board of Governors meetings. This is the story behind the story, the story that people don't know. And <laughs> I get a phone call from Steve Dryden and he says, hey, uh, you want to write a column saying that <laughs> saying that Patrick Line is better than Austin Matthews, and I'm like, well, he's not better than him, but I said, but he might be. By the way, like, don't don't put this on the podcast because Dryden will go crazy, Gary. <laughs> Why? Because he just like he I don't I think he likes being behind the scenes. He doesn't. Not too bad. This <laughs> is going. This is going in. We'll have to bleep your uh, yeah. your f bomb, but this is going in for sure. He. So I'm like, okay, but you know, he's younger than Matthews physically. He's his first time in North America. There's lots of reasons why he could eventually, you know, catch up and, and be better than Matthews. Okay, I'll write that. No problem. Well, stupid me. Uh, number one, like Matthews is a center and, you know, there's all everything that goes behind that. And Matthews is maybe a fantastic it just wasn't true, Gare. Like maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, the, the story gets posted on tsn.ca and it goes bananas, viral. And of course, your show is the afternoon drive show in Toronto. And I know that Noodles isn't a Leafs fan, but you and Hayes are, are clearly that's where your allegiances are. So you have me on the show. By the way, I got to correct that. Like, it's not it's it's a weird thing. It's like. It's not like we're diehards. You know what I mean? It's no, the no, team I, we no. cover. Okay, fine. Yes, but okay, you're happy can, when they win. Yeah, it's like you're happy if they win, but it's not like we lose sleep if they lose five games in a row. You know what I mean? No, no. Matter of fact, it makes for a great radio, right? Well, yeah, it's unfortunate, but sometimes radio is better <laughs> when they suck. Yeah. So I come on your show and... and Brian uh, Hayes just had a... He just couldn't deal with it. He <laughs> called me, Gary, and he's like... Oh, here we go. Gary Lawless piping off in Winnipeg. I'm like, oh, boy. And I don't like 
I don't know. I don't like get that excited about that kind of stuff. He's like, he's saying line A is better than Matthews. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I almost wanted to say to him, Gary, this is your fight. I go, go ahead. <laughs> and then you were like, I think you had it out with him on the radio and you're like, Brian, why don't you be quiet? And this is my opinion and my show. And no, I didn't say that. I just said, I said he called, he, he called me preposterous, I think. And I said, <laughs> I said, Hey, Brian, don't make it personal. I lo- listen. I love Brian and we have a, have a good relationship uh, to this day. It was, it, listen, it was to this day. I get tweets. People retweet the article oh, and send it. You to never me. live that stuff down. Never. Oh no, no, no. Well, and then, you know, I know that you said something about, you know, uh, later on, you said something about uh, Matthews and, and McDavid. You know what, Gary? Got- I said it one night, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Austin Matthews scored a goal in San Jose. And I just, I, I won't lie, I had a couple of glasses of wine in me. I tweeted out. <laughs> I tweeted out, I don't think I'd trade my Austin Matthews for anybody, even Connor McDavid. And I absolutely got roasted. Like, people in Edmonton were going crazy. But I will tell you this. I'm connected like you. I know a lot of people in the league. I know a lot of coaches. And I talked to a lot of them. And I just said, hey, it's Jeff O'Neill at TSN. Can you just do me this favor and answer this question? Who would you take, Austin Matthews or McDavid? And I would say almost 90% said Austin Matthews. Interesting. Because they're like, you know, he's a big man. He's in the corners. Like, he's a he's a bigger guy. And Connor McDavid, as good as he is, he's an off-the-rush guy. And sometimes when off-the-rush doesn't work, you don't win. So, like, I had, to, I had to kind of validate myself. I was like, by the way, what do you think? Like, who would you take? Yeah. 90%, Gary, said Austin Matthews. But I didn't want to tweet that out or mention names or... Sure. Well, I, I can honestly tell you that 90% have not told me that Patrick Line is better than Austin Matthews. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't get the same, I didn't get the same response, but yeah. uh, it was, uh, anyways, it was uh, it's still to this day, um, it, if Line has a big night, or sorry, if Matthews has a big night, there'll be five guys like Joe from the bridge will send me a, a tweet saying, uh, hey. Still think that, Gary? Still hey, think donkey, that? Hey, Donkey, do you still think that? And I'm like. <laughs> I know. That's so, the part uh, I don't get about the media, Gary, where it's like you you kind of, who knows what it is, content, whatever, and you fire out a conversation like that, and people, like, take it to their grave, and it, that's like their be-all and end-all. They keep bringing it up. I'm like, man, you got nothing better to do? Seriously. Tell me about tackling. Um, uh, uh, what do they call that mascot? Tradesy? Is that his name? No, Trady. Oh. Trady. So uh, I'll set the scene for uh, for our listeners. You are on uh, TSN's Trade Center coverage, which is the 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 biggest and the best. It's the it's you know I. I you want to know about Trady? How that happened? That's all Duffy. You know Duffy. He made yep. me do it. He's like, look, we got this stupid ugly mascot. He's got a weird head. He's got like a horns or I don't know what the hell that mascot had. And he's like, you got to tackle him. He's going to take your food at the buffet. And it was staged. I hate to uh, rat Duffy out, but. It was staged. It didn't look staged. Oh, you know, Duffy, he's like this mastermind where he sets these scenes. He brings llamas in for the trade center. Like he does, (laughs) he does all kinds of weird stuff, but he knows how to make it work and. Honestly, one of the most brilliant guys I've ever worked with. Like, he just, he knows what to do. Like, he'll be like, hey, if I ask you to do this, like, yeah, you know, I'll be like, that's kind of weird and goofy. He'd be like, yeah, I know, but just do it. It'll be good. And I just say, okay. He could be on High School Musical. You know what I mean? He's got yes. like, the, he's got kind of like, a, he's got the look. He looks like uh, Rick Astley. The, yeah. Or what was the, that know, TV show that was on TV where they got like they just started doing songs like they were this high school music team? Um, high School Musical, wasn't that it? No, it was it was no. something. It was the most popular show, and they always like it was a music group, and they get in the back room and they come up with these great ideas. Like that's what Duffy could do. Yes, he's got like the he's got the mind of a of a choreographer. Yes, uh, of a screenwriter, producer, all that a producer, and then when the camera comes on. He's one of the best in the business as well. He's uh, he's he's got it all. I got to tell you, uh, I've listened to the Gray and Dregs pod- podcast quite a bit, and I, I like it. But you know what I really miss is 
I missed the Bobcast. I would li- I, like I would wait for it down here in Vegas. I would wait for Bob to publish it so that I could listen to it. I loved listen. I I thought it was because I learned so much about hockey, but also like Bob is just like this ultra cool dude, and yeah. it was so much fun to kind of to get. He's been really nice to me in my career, like been really helpful and been like a good good friend. So it was kind of cool to be able to connect with him on that level. The Bobcast. I think Bobby's kind of getting into semi-retirement mode where he's like, no, nah, no more Bobcast. But it's funny. It's like, I, I respect Bob a lot. And I, he's got like, I think almost 2 million followers on Twitter now. But what I love about him is we've just become buddies. Like we, we sit beside each other. Every hockey game we ever do, I sit beside Bob McKenzie. That's kind of our thing. There's yeah. Duffy, there's Pooley, there's me, and then there's Bob. Me and Bob are beside each other, and we could literally tell a funny joke right before, 12 seconds before air, and be laughing our asses off, and then go, and we got to do our job. But it's just, man, we've had a lot of laughs over the years. Like, somebody will screw up, or somebody will say something stupid. It's just, it's been a lot of fun. If I ever do a book, Gary, I think the, the Bob McKenzie chapter will be pretty fun to say. It's pretty cool to sit beside that guy. Tell me about playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs and what that was like for you. I cried when I put the jersey on for the first time. I was like, man, I used to watch this every Saturday night. And, Gary, it was difficult circumstances for me every time I uh, think about playing for Toronto because there's only one reason I did that, and that's because my brother passed away in a car accident and I told my dad to call Jim Rutherford. He, my dad represented me, and I just said, I'm not I'm not leaving here. I'm not leaving you guys. I'm not leaving my brother. And if I don't play for the Leafs, then I guess I'm not playing. And they worked out a trade, and so it was kind of the, you know, the positive and the negative. It's like every time you love putting on that jersey, but you also realize the reason that you're there is not – the most positive. That's the worst positive. It's the worst thing that can ever happen to you. But it was weird. Like I tell people all the time, when I played for the Carolina Hurricanes, I would come home for the summer because we missed the playoffs. And I would go to Leaf games and like cheer for the Leafs. I was in, in the NHL. <laughs> and it was so weird. I'm like, I used I play against these guys. Like I score goals against Cujo and Eddie Belfour. And I hit Matt Sundin and 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 Thomas Caberlet, but I want them to win. I, like I'm, I'm when they score, I stand up and scream and clap. I'm like, this is weird, but I don't know. That's what I did, Gary. It's kind of weird and unorthodox, but that's what I did. You scored 20 goals, 19 goals the first year, 20 the second, which is uh, those are good numbers. Uh, did you wear your brother's helmet when you played for the Leafs? I did. I. Uh, you know, you kind of, when you, when you lose somebody, you rummage through their stuff. And I found it as hockey equipment when I got traded to Toronto. I'm like, I had to take it to the trainer. I'm like, you got to take this mask off because it was a beer league helmet. I'm actually looking at it. I, I look to my left and I'm looking at it right now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear this in the NHL. And the trainer kind of put it together and put new foam in it and put the leaf stickers on it. And I'm like, man, he would think that'd be pretty cool. If he knew that his helmet, ah, oh, sorry, Gary, I'm getting a little emotional now, buddy. That's okay. I'm sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to do yeah, that. Yeah, but it was, I thought I think he thought that would be pretty cool if his helmet was in the NHL, man. One hundred percent. And I know that uh, we've had some good talks over the years, and uh, he was. Uh, I know how. I know he was super proud of you, and uh, yeah. I know you were super proud of him. So, uh, um, you know, obviously, I'm sorry that that, that happened to you and your family. Uh, the you started to be afraid of flying at that time, eh? Or did that, were you always uh, afraid of flying? Yeah, How'd it was that awful, happen? man. It happened early in my career. I was in Mexico, and I flew home, and I was sleeping. And I just woke up, and I had to work. I, I don't even know. Like, I haven't had – I, I have maybe had a couple of them. I had a panic attack. And I literally looked down at my shirt, Gary, my T-shirt, and my heart was, like, popping out of my T-shirt. I'm like – Uh oh, like I'm going down or I'm dying or I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. But I, that's what I, it's not like I didn't like flying, but I was afraid of that happening every time I got on the plane. So the anxiety gets involved. And then it was just like anything affiliated with going to the airport. And guess what we had to do in our job? 
Like you got to fly. You yeah. know what I mean? So have you, are you still afraid of it or have you kind no, of gotten over I it? I got married in September and my wife told me when we first met, she said, if you don't want to get on airplanes, we're not going out. And she's like, I'm not going to Sudbury on vacation. So <laughs> <laughs> I go, what do you mean? You don't like Sudbury? We can go up and see the big nickel. She's like, no, I'm not doing it. I want to go to, you know, she wants Mexico. to travel. She's a traveler. Yeah. And yeah, I'm actually glad sure. she did it because it kind of put the pressure on me. I had to do it. And, uh, you know, we're getting near the end here, but uh, it it is something that, like, you know, you, you have this image of being a rough and tumble guy. And, uh, and, and it's human, legit. Right? Yeah, it's legit. But boy, oh boy, do you ever love your three daughters? Oh, God, Gary. Having three daughters, it's kind of weird how... And I think about it, I don't know if, like... You have a you have daughters too, right? Or one daughter? I have, I have one daughter. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And I'm almost glad that I don't have to go into hockey rinks and look at bo- like uh, young kids playing hockey and parents screaming, and them looking at me saying, "Oh, you played in the NHL. Why isn't your kid good?" Because I hear the horror stories, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm glad I don't have to do that. I go to dance class. I go to gymnastics. I do whatever. But I'm glad I don't have to listen to somebody saying, "Oh, your kid sucks. You were in the NHL. Why isn't your kid good?" Because I've heard the, uh, you know, I've heard the horror stories. It's not, it's not good. Well, you know, when you set out to do one of these things, you're always worried that, uh, you know, uh, it if it's going to work out or not. And uh, to me, this was perfect because it was just like you and I were sitting around, just the two of us having a conversation. And yeah, uh, you know what, you know what, you know what bugs me, Gary. It's like I, I could have done if you said to me like we're buddies and you said, hey, I need you for two hours. Yeah, I would have said, yeah, whatever you need, because I have two hours. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you call some of these people up and they're like, hey, can you come on for 10 minutes? They're like, no, can't do it. I'm like, what do you, you have 10 minutes? You're not doing anything. <laughs> like if you said to me, we have to talk for two hours, I would have said, OK. Well, you're, you guys haven't had me on, haven't had me ever on your show since uh, since Hayes and I had our blow. So uh uh, if if your producer calls, I'm going to say I don't have 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I love you, Jeff. Thanks for, a lot for the time. This was great. You got it, Gary. Thanks a lot, pal. Be good. All right. You've been listening to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Thanks very much to our guest, the O-Dog, Jeff O'Neill. Thanks for listening. <laughs>